Matthew chapter 6. And then I'm going to be turning to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You'll find the book of Matthew in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, about three-quarters of the way through your Bible. Chapter 6, verse 7 says this. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. But we do anyway, don't we? I know I do. Don't do that. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Did you know that short prayers are okay? Sometimes we feel pressure to pray long prayers, don't we? Don't, don't do that. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in some of your Bibles, will have, and all of you know by heart, these words, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Those are wonderful words. There's a reason why they're not in modern translations, but they're biblical words, and they go wonderfully with the words from Matthew. Let me show them to you. They come from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Would you please turn there? You'll find the book of 1 Chronicles. Hopefully your neighbors won't notice that your Bible's never been opened to that place before. <laughs> You'll find it a couple inches back in your Bible, if your Bible's thick like mine with large print, near the beginning. 1 Chronicles and the last chapter in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, they're the words of David. Those words come from David. And the context of David's words in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 is his anticipation of building the temple and in how the Lord has told him, no, David, you're not going to build the temple. Your son will build the temple. And David then went ahead and provided all of the materials that would be needed for his son to build the temple. And in this context, all the materials are there. All the people have given free, freely of their own uh, resources to provide all that will be necessary for David's son Solomon to build the temple. And David is standing in the midst of the people and he's thanking God and is humbled before God for all that God has given to him. And I'm going to start reading it verse 9. 1 Chronicles 29. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. And verse 11. Here's the words. The words that we're so familiar with. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. 
Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. The main point that I would like to get across today in wrapping these, this series up, using the six or eight weeks that we've used in the Lord's Prayer, to spend this final week to talk about how to use the prayer, what to do with the words that the Lord has spoken to us. And the main point I'd like to get across is that our Lord's Prayer is both concise and comprehensive. There's just a few words. Most of you know them by heart. And what precious words to have in your heart. But they're, they're not complicated. If you were to go away somewhere and say, I'm going to spend a day praying, you wouldn't need to take anything with you but what is already in your heart. Lord, forgive us for making prayer so complicated. What the Lord gives us is very, very simple. And yet, though concise and simple, it is comprehensive. It is everything that we need. In fact, it's more than what we need before we read it. I've learned the last few weeks in spending time in this prayer that we don't use these words to tell God what we need. We use these words to learn from God what we need. And what we learn from God, but what we need, is that he needs to do something for himself first before he does anything for us. That's something that we learn in the Lord's Prayer. More than just coming to the Lord with words to tell God what we need, we learn from God what we need. As he says, our Father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what we need. And so we use the prayer to find out what we need. And it is concise. Take it with you everywhere. It is also comprehensive. It contains all that we need in the presence of our Lord. And so those words from Matthew chapter 6, used together with David's words of praise to God, praise and thanksgiving to God, have been used for generations and centuries in their simplicity, in their comprehensiveness, to invoke, particularly David's words at the end, to, it's an invocation. Lord, you are great. It all belongs to you. To invoke the greatness and the majesty of God. So what do we do with those words? Pray then like this. Well, if you're anything like me, what we do with those words is we don't. <laughs> we know we're not supposed to just recite them. So we don't really know what to do with them. What do you if you don't, if you don't recite them? It's like great advice from a doctor. You should exercise more. You should pray this way. Yeah, that's right. That's really good advice. 
That's really true. I believe that. I should exercise more. But I don't. And the same is true of these words of our Lord. You should pray this way. That's really good advice. That's really true. But I don't. Partly because I don't know how. Let me be clear that praying these words won't make you a Christian. Please don't think you're a Christian because you pray these words. Please don't leave this world. Stand before God and say, well, I've prayed the right words. You can't pray the first two words of the Lord's Prayer without being a Christian. Our Father. This is a prayer for Christians who know God as their Father. It's a Spirit-filled prayer because you can't know God as your Father without the Spirit and belonging to Jesus. But for those who call God their Father, pray this way. You'll find this prayer as a prayer that will sustain you as a Christian. I don't believe that our Lord meant that we should recite these words. That's why it's difficult for us to know, well, what do we do with them? How do we pray this way then? When Jesus says, pray this way, I believe that he is showing us a path to prayer that's to be universally understood, not in the words used precisely, but in the pattern of prayer that is given to us in this prayer and in the posture of prayer that is given to us in this prayer. So when the Lord says, pray this way, there are two things that, he's, that we take from the prayer understanding. Pray this way. It's a pattern of prayer. Pray this way. Pray this pattern and the posture of prayer. Pray this way in this posture. Let me show them to you. First of all, the pattern of prayer. The pattern is God first. It's very simple, but it is very profound. The pattern is God does something for himself first, and then in doing something for himself, he does all things for us. I wonder how many of you would remember quite a few weeks ago <laughs> when we got to the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. And the first petition of the Lord's Prayer was, hallowed be your name. What we said then is when we get to the first petition, he said, look at this petition. The first thing that we are asked to or, or taught to ask God for is not that he would do something for us, but that he would do something for himself, that he would hallow his name, that he would make his name great. But in doing the thing for himself, God will do all things for us. That's the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. It is God first. The first three petitions of the prayer are, hallowed be your name, which means, God, would you please make your name great? It is your kingdom come, which means, Lord, would you, would you show us your rule and your will be done? on earth as it is in heaven. Would Lord, would you show us your way? All of those, all three of those come before 
us receiving our daily bread. They come before us receiving the forgiveness of sins. They come before us being kept safe from evil. And the pattern is a significant orientation in prayer. It, it sheds a significant light on prayer. For God first to do something for himself and then to do something for us, for him to make his name great, to bring his rule to this earth, to do all of his will, and then to consider all of our needs in that light. To see that our receiving our daily necessities, our daily bread, to receive the forgiveness of sins, to, to receive that safe path, is God doing his will? Is God making his name great on earth? Isn't that a wonderful thing for confidence and faith in prayer? Will God really meet your daily needs? Will God really forgive your sins? Will God really give you a safe path? If you tie that to the petition, to the pattern, Lord, would you do something for yourself that I know that you will not be denied? Will you make your name great? Would you make your kingdom come to this world? Would you bring your rule to this earth? And in doing those things, knowing that that is how our needs, all of our needs in God are met. How does God make his name great? By giving us our daily bread. God makes his name great by forgiving us. God makes his name great by teaching us to do likewise. God makes his name great by delivering us from all of the ways that we need to be delivered from evil and all of the ways that we are tempted to participate in evil instead of being delivered from it. In all of those things, what we're looking for in the pattern of prayers, Lord, would you, would you make your name great? And that pattern gives an orientation and a perspective and prayer in all of the things that we come before God with to meet all of our needs. We're asking God first and foremost, Lord, would you do something for yourself. I think that's the, the perspective that David also had there, standing in the midst of the assembly. Lord, I don't want any fame. I don't really want anything for myself. You've supplied all of our needs. And Lord, in, in the meeting of all of our needs, Lord, it, it all belongs to you. Would you make your name great? It is in the presence of the living God that we stand. And it is a wonderful pattern. It is a wonderful orientation and, and per perspective on prayer. And it, and it gives us a path to prayer in all of our circumstances. And we need that sometimes. Some of you in, your, in the circumstances of your life right now, in the circumstances of your mind, in the circumstances of your faith, you need a path to prayer. All of the things that we come to God to ask for, all of our, <laughs> our checklist that we come into the presence of God for, that we ask God to do for us. God meets those needs first and foremost by doing something for himself. 
So that pattern gives us a path to pray in all of our prayers, in all of the different ways that we pray. Not to recite these words, not pray this way to use the exact words that our Lord gave us, but to pray this way, learning the pattern of the prayer, God first. And in doing something for himself first, God meets all of my needs. So if you're praying for a loved one, and we all do, pray for people in our life that we love. Some of them need to know the Lord. Lord, would you give them their daily bread, please? And their daily bread is salvation. Help them to know the forgiveness of sins. Lord, would you please keep them evil, keep them from evil. But Lord, in all of those things that they need, Lord, would you do something for yourself? Would you make your name great? That's my greatest desire. And in doing those things, Lord, Would you bring your kingdom to earth and do all that is in your will? We not only pray for others, we pray for ourselves a lot. We pray for wisdom, we pray for strength, we pray for courage, we, we pray for so many different things in our life. And so there's a pattern for prayer here. Lord, would you make your name great by giving me what I need and is it my daily bread? Would you please sustain me? Would you please give me all that I need? Would you please help me see and treasure that my sins are forgiven? Would you please keep me safe from all of the things that are tempting me? And Lord, in doing all of those things, all of the things that I need, would you would you make your name great? I have such needs. We saw last week how even the deliverance from evil, what a great need that we have to be delivered from evil. How easy it is, it, it, easy it is for us to participate in the evil that God wants to deliver us from, such as the unforgiveness of others. Is a participation in evil such as finding our daily bread in, in this world, all of our appetites and longings and desires satisfied in this world instead of in God, which is a participation in evil. Lord, would you keep us safe from those temptations and from that path? But Lord, ultimately, would you, would you make your name great? The praying in seasons of grief and sorrow There is a pattern here. There is a path to prayer through this pattern. When you feel like in your sorrow that this is not how I had, had imagined that God would make his name great. Lord, I had hoped you would make your name great by healing me or the one I love. Lord, I had hoped you'd make your name great by making this circumstances go away. Lord, I'd hoped you'd make your name great in so many ways. But Lord, now in my, my grief and sorrow, do you see that the pattern is there as still as a path to prayer? Ultimately, Lord, what I want more than anything else is that you would do something for yourself. And even in the place where I am right now, would you, 
Would you make your name great? Would you give me what my daily bread is today? Romans 8, 28, probably familiar words to you. For those who love God, all things work together for good. Perhaps you've always understood that as for your good. (laughs) And it is your good. But it's your good only when it's, first of all, God's good. And what is more good? (laughs) What is gooder than God's name being hallowed? What can be more good than that? So that pattern leads us to the posture. The pattern of God first leads us to a particular posture where when our Lord says, pray this way, and we're not reciting the words, but we're learning a pattern, but we're also learning a posture to learn what our Lord meant when he said, pray this way. And that posture is one of dependence. It is one of dependence and deference to God. It is a posture that comes from our position before God. A position before God that must never be forgotten. Our position is creature. God is the creator. I believe that's what David understood standing in the assembly of the people. I call it the humble heap. (laughs) That's what he was like. He was the humble heap. Standing in the midst of of all of God's provision, standing in the midst of all of God's blessings, he was a humble heap because he realized that I am only the creature. God is the creator. And so there's that invocation of God's greatness. God is the creator, the maker, the owner, and the ruler of all things. Lord, forgive us when we come into your pattern and find any, into your presence and find any pattern of prayer that doesn't invoke a sense of awe for you as the living God. I hope you think about it when you're, when you're praying or when, even when you're out and about and, and thinking about God as the maker of all things, not being able to be anywhere in this world, in the densest forest or the, the deepest sea that God hasn't made and know and sustain, that there is a living being in, the, in, in this world before whom we stand. He is the maker, the owner, and the ruler of all things. We are the creature. And the creature does not tell the creator how he should make his name great. We have lots of suggestions. (laughs) We have lots of ideas. But ultimately, our posture is that we are the creature. And God is the creator. And the creature humbly depends upon the creator. That however he chooses to make his name great, that he will give us our daily bread. And he will give us what we need to be satisfied, forgiven, and safe. That pattern gives us this posture. Lord, you are great. Whatever your will in heaven might be for me, whatever way you choose to make your name great, I know that you will give me each day what I need, and I know that you will always forgive my sins. I know that you will always lead me in safe pass as a posture of trust in the Lord. And the ultimate 
declaration of how founded that trust is, is the incarnation. Sending the Son of God into the world to die for our sins. To get glory for himself. To make his name great through the Son. And in the Son, by making his name great, to meet all of our needs in Jesus. It is a marvelous thing. And so it's easy to see why the words of David from 1 Chronicles 29 have been found so helpful. And they are succinctly put by the words, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. They are biblical words. David is standing in awe of God and invoking the greatness of God. And those words have been used by God's people down through the centuries to do the same thing. Even John in the book of Revelation, John chapter 1 verse 6, uses those same words of David. For yours, Lord, is the kingdom, the power forever and ever. Amen. That same invocation of, of, of the living God. Bonnie read from Revelation chapter 4 earlier of that, that, that same idea of standing in the presence of greatness. There are much to learn from our Lord's words. Pray then like this. In that Old Testament context, David is praying to God there with the money boxes full, all of his needs met, the provisions ready to build all that God should direct for his temple. But his prayer ultimately is that, Lord, this, these are our needs and you've met them, but ultimately our concern isn't about the money boxes. Our concern isn't about the temple. Our concern is about the God of the temple. Not that we could fill it with our stuff, but Lord, would you fill it with your presence? That's what we want. James chapter 4 was so profound, wasn't it? I hope you heard the word of the Lord read this morning by, by Harvey. You're praying your selfish desires. You're praying your world friendliness. Stop that. <laughs> because it's leading you into all kinds of evil. And so David, in that invocation for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Saying, Lord, I don't want any fame. I don't want you to supply my needs to make me great. It's all about your frame fame. And here in the midst of the nations where David, in the context of First Chronicles, where God says, I'm going to put you in the midst of the nation to make you my witnesses. That's exactly what David is doing. He's being the witness that God called Israel to be. In the presence of the idols of, of the nations, and those idols have no rule, they have no kingdom. They have no dominion. They have no power. They have no glory. They have no beauty. But God's people can see it. Where David says, but you, O Lord, are the living God. And there's no end to your rule. There's no end to your power. There's no end to your beauty. Kingdom, power, and glory. Kingdom is is God's rule. 
forever and ever. The power is God's omnipotence that is without end. The glory is God's beauty is what makes us adore him. And they are words of worship. They are words of worship that prepare us for our eternity together. A simple thing about the word amen. I believe that in all the languages where the scriptures have been translated, they all use the same word. Amen. So be it. Lord, let it be. Lord, it's all yours. Lord, it's in your presence we stand. Amen. They are words of worship in preparation for our eternity together when we will be with God and we will see forever God's rule, his power, and his glory. I'm going to close by reading a few words from Psalm 86. Wonderful prayer that reflect both the pattern and the posture of prayer in our Lord's Prayer. Psalm 86 says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. You are abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations have come. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. To finish the series, I have put together a series of questions and answers that I would like to lead us in, using the Lord's Prayer. But I've formatted the words in a way to articulate the God-first pattern and all of the ways that God hallows his name by meeting our needs that I think you'll notice as you respond. So would you please stand? And we'll conclude in this way. I'll read the question as the leader, and then would you please, in unison, read the answer out loud that comes up on the screen. Do you believe in the Lord God Almighty? Do you believe that God alone can sustain and satisfy you? Yes. Do you believe that God forgives all your sins? Do you believe that God will keep you safe from evil? Yes. And together with me, 
For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's sing together.